Welcome to Mindful Talk, brief conversations about mindfulness in the workplace and at home. I am your host, Lauren Wessinger. And I'm your host, Misty Anderson. And this podcast is brought to you by The Mindful Project. The Mindful Project helps you elevate the culture of your business by bringing mindfulness practice to you and your staff through in-person and virtual learning. Contact us through our website, themindfulproject.co, for more information. Welcome to episode 30, Working with Incessant Thinking. Hi, Misty. Hi, Lauren. Oh, incessant thinking. I may or may not be doing that right now. (laughs) I think it's part of being human, first of all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're, we're all probably guilty of it. I think most of us are just how we deal with it and approach it are differently. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, incessant thinking is like, I don't know, this is like a funny way to think about it, but can't get off the thought train, right? There's this train of thought and you just cannot seem to get off that train. And wouldn't you agree? Incessant thinking can so often come up right as your head hits the pillow at night. Oh my God. It's like, close your eyes. Everything else turns on the light flick. Oh, it's the worst. Mm-hmm. I and really, that's, that's whenever I have to like truly like start to focus on something, whether it's like breathing or just really trying to like relax my body from my head down, you know, like loosen your jaw. I have to use all my tools because mm-hmm. my thoughts will take it over. And then an hour later, I'm just laying there. Hmm. You know, I think it's one of the, it's funny. I was having a conversation with a friend just yesterday about what makes us human. This was just a little light lunch conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it came up. Oh, I know. Um, she had asked if I had seen my octopus friend, that movie. And we were talking about how octopus are supposed to be the only other living creature on earth that have consciousness like humans. And so we were talking about, first of all, how they know that octopus have consciousness. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie, but I'm going to. Um, But then second of all, what consciousness even is. And we were talking about that. We think consciousness is probably like the ever the age old question, like, what is it? But I think it's self-awareness. You know, I think it's awareness of self and awareness of our thoughts. And we were talking about how like my dogs, are definitely thinking and they have emotion, but they're not aware that they're thinking and they don't have incessant thoughts. They're just there to eat and sleep and survive. You know what I mean? So I think this, this idea of consciousness is this awareness that we have thoughts and that sometimes they're incessant. Sometimes they're just out of control. That is you're recognizing it, right? That's like the mindfulness piece of all of it. It's like, hello, I've got all these thoughts. I think your first go-to is like, stop them, stop them, stop them. And back the bus up, do what you said. Okay, I've got these thoughts. And I like to tell myself because for years I thought I was my thoughts. So I have to tell myself, these are thoughts, Misty. They're not you. That's not what you would ever do or say or believe or what they're thoughts. Um, And I, I guess that's giving myself like a little grace and that in itself slows the whole mind down for me. 
it's almost, I guess I gave myself a pep talk. Yeah. <laughs> like my brain, a pep talk and slow down. It's not, you know, you're not your thoughts. You've got these thoughts. What can we do about them? Yeah, that's definitely one of the most important things to remember. And that's a common thread through all of these mindfulness meditation traditions, no matter what the style is, the common thread is, is the idea that you are not your thoughts. Your thoughts are a narrative from everything your eyeballs have seen, everything your ears have heard, every experience you've been through in your whole life. And all of that creates this lens of thought that you see the world through. And so I think it's really important to just get real practical with it and, and realize that you can think of thought almost as like a running history, somehow adapted to the present moment, narrating everything that's going on in your world, your opinion of what's going on in the world and other people's world. And it's just storyline. It's just like a ongoing movie in your mind. And if you can kind of separate that and get perspective and realize, oh, there's that movie. Here I am. I am not that movie. I think there's a real healing that can happen when we get that perspective. So when I was going through teacher training, I don't know if you remember, but you said all of that exactly pretty much. And I use some of those same analogies I remember because they stuck with me. And that's when I started to be able to kind of process all of that and realize I wasn't my thoughts because I, it was a narrative I had created. I, I watch a lot of funny shows where there's like a narrator in the background. And I remember you saying that and I'm like, gosh, that's just that narrator. That's like reading the storyline, but has this jaded perspective because all they've done is be in my mind. Um, and that really helped me with, with my thoughts. I, um, I really find when I I'm ruminating and, you know, it's kind of, getting too much. The first thing I like to do is distract myself in some way if I'm not sleeping, obviously, but if it's, you know, I'm in the kitchen and all of a sudden I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this. And then, oh my gosh, what am I going to do about this? And I get on these bunny trails. I'm like, you know what? I need to wash the dishes. It's a physical thing. It's a completed task. And then for a second I'm engaged and it takes me out of those thoughts. Do you do that too? Yeah, definitely. You know, there's something we do as humans all the time, all day, dare I say, called self-referencing where everything's about me, right? And if you're self-referencing, everything is about you, of course, by design. I think that's just how the brain is designed, but, but we self-reference all day. Like, how does this relate to me? How did that thing she said, how was that personal to me? How do, was she out to get me when she said that thing? How was that decision in the news personal to me? Like, it's all about us, you know? And I think that's actually okay. I think it's part of how we navigate relationship and survive in the world. But to a certain point, it can go overboard. And there's a lot of ties. I don't have anything to quote um, statistic-wise, but there's a lot of ties between incessant self-referencing and conditions like depression and anxiety, because we're making it so much about me that we have no higher perspective of anything, of any situation, any relationship. And so I think of, of my overwhelm and incessant thinking 
as stuff that really is all about me. And when I catch myself in that place, um, I just redirect my attention. That's what I call it. I redirect my attention, whether it's like just telling myself, God, stop, look outside, look up in the sky and realize there is such a bigger world than my small situation right now. So I'll do that. Or I will distract myself sometimes by getting on my phone, which I think, you know, we talk a lot about numbing out on our phone, but sometimes we need to, right? Sometimes we need to redirect our attention. I'll get on, on the phone or I'll start reading or I might go get a coffee. That's like my way of treating myself when I'm really stuck in my head. I'll go get in my car, drive to my favorite coffee shop and get a cappuccino because it feels like, like a, just something nice to do for myself when I'm overwhelmed. But yeah, I think the, I think the redirecting of attention is the number one thing when we're incessant thinking, AKA stuck in our head, AKA self-referencing too much. What you said about the incessant thoughts and the link between depression, man, have I seen that this past year? Um, some, and sometimes in myself, um, and sometimes in friends and family. And, um, when I look back after what you said about the, it's me, 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 all of those situations were me, 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 mm-hmm. including the ones I was in. Sure. And, and I needed someone else to say, you know, go, go outside, you know, just take a break. And then all of a sudden you realize, whoa, 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 <laughs> there, this, this is a little thing we can, you know, move on. Yeah. Um, but it brought a lot of people into that just stuck, like the depression of stuck and my thoughts overtook me. And I know people that their thoughts have overtaken them and it's scary. Um, And so I know that these tools, while they may seem for some people who just, you know, occasionally or have crazy racing thoughts, some people truly have so many of those that they just are stuck. And if that is you, and because it's been me, the the redirecting myself is pretty much the only thing that's saved me other than breathing um, and reminding myself to breathe because that's a physical action that I can do. So it's like taking a plan of action and then executing it along with the redirecting. And sometimes the redirecting is the breathing, you know, misty breathe, yes. take breath, square breathing, whatever it is. Um, so, but I think the important thing is I had to think about these things in times that I wasn't having, it's, you know, those crazy racing thoughts and, and get myself a plan for when that happened, because it seemed to be happening more and I didn't feel like I was in control of it or I knew how to get out of it. And so by doing that, like on a, you know, just, I just read some stuff on the internet about like, you know, how do you make your, those incessant thoughts slow down and everything you read, just like you said, is redirecting yourself. But in the moment of all of it happening, I can't redirect myself because I'm in the moment. And so I had to back up, read about it, learn about it when I wasn't in that mindset. So then it was in my toolbox. So later when it happened and I'm laying in bed, you know, and that light switch comes on and it's da-da-da-da-da-da-da, I'm able to be like, okay, we need to focus on our breath because we're redirecting ourselves to sleep. Mm-hmm. And that has helped me a ton. It did not happen overnight. And it is an active thing that I work on. And I know there are a lot of people that are in my same boat, especially my friends that I talk to right now. 
Yeah. And I think it's really important to make the distinction of self-referencing and overthinking and this, everything's about me. This is not saying selfish. I just want to be like super clear because when we think about the word selfish, it is everything's about me. And we think about selfish and the whole world's about me. The the whole world's out to get me. Everything that's happening is happening because of me, but this is, so yeah, they're kind of in the same category, but I would never use the word selfish to describe this because it's a normal function of an overwhelmed human brain and mind and nervous system. So when we say me, 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 we don't mean that you're intentionally trying to direct all the attention to yourself by any means, but it is a signal. Like if you kind of feel yourself stuck in that place of like, instead of things just happening around me, everything's happening to me. I think that's the distinction when we're in kind of a more higher perspective, open-minded place, we can see things happening that might even affect us, but we know it didn't happen personally to us. It didn't happen because of something we did or because anyone's out to get us, or we got the short end of the stick. No, sometimes stuff just happens. And, and if you find yourself in a place of God, everything is happening to me. I think that's the difference. And just recognizing, like you said, Misty, and in that moment being like, all right, I'm really self-referencing right now. I cannot see the forest through the trees. I cannot see the sky and just pausing And the mantra that I love is actually from Judith Lasseter, a restorative yoga teacher. She says, just happening. You could stop whatever you're doing and just say that over and over, just happening. It really takes the personalness out of it. I have really tried to do what you're talking about, about taking myself out of that. And it's like it's just happening. I just didn't use those beautiful words yeah. like that, but it's, I've been saying it's not my mess. Like I love when, that. When stuff's happening that, you know, is just messy around me and I feel like I need to put my emotional energy in, but yet it really doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm like, not my mess. And the loving nurturing part of me wants to like fix it and help, but that's, you know, it's not my mess. Not my mess. I love that. I think another way to know that you might be self-referencing too much is if you feel really alone in your struggle, we have all experienced feeling like we're the only ones going through something, um, or that nobody understands or that, yeah, that we feel alone in our struggle. And that's a, a more subtle sign I have found that, that we need to gain perspective and perhaps even reach out to to, to friends and just kind of connect with community more, but that feeling real alone in the battle, I think is a sign of, um, self-referencing leading to incessant thinking, because what makes us think more than feeling like we're completely alone in the world. I mean, that's been such an overwhelming time for me when I have felt that for sure. And then the storyline and the narrative just builds into this massive story, right? We just keep adding on to that story until it's just mostly false and out of control. Instagram has been like using Insta stories has been such a great reference point for me because people are like, oh, me too. Oh, I do that. (laughs) Uh, You know, and it's like that little bit of, oh, yeah, 
not alone. Like it really is that simple. And people, you know, I'm sure everybody questions everybody's motives on social media. Mostly my motives are for myself. I enjoy it. It brings me joy. My community brings me joy. What I post is me. And, but what's great is what I get back is me. And so it validates everything in my head and it just puts all those topics to bed, you know, like, Take a picture of the laundry that's piled up to the ceiling. And then suddenly everyone's like, yep, me too. Here's a photo of mine. And you're like, yay, I'm not the only mom that's behind on the laundry, you know? And it seems those simple little things, but I can guarantee you those simple little things are what leads you down those crazy bunny trails, you know? Yeah. It's the overwhelming mess at home. You can start thinking, gosh, I'm such a failure. I can't even keep my house clean. And then you go on this tangent about what a terrible mom you are and how you're so organized, unorganized, and you'll never get your business off the ground. And it creates this whole story Yep, of, of untruths. They are just not true. Any yeah. of it. I, I always go back to, I try really hard. What would you say to a friend? And I know yeah. that that's like such an old adage, but like, you have to start talking to yourself the way that a friend that you would talk to a friend, you have to. And that's with kindness. And it might be with firmness, you know, stop yeah. the thoughts. You know, I'm, I'm nice to myself, but I'm also very direct. Misty, that's not you. Don't think, you know, we're going down a bunny trail. We need to redirect. So, you know, kind of the way I parent <laughs> loving, but firm. And I think that you have to find those boundaries and stuff in order for you to take action and move forward, or you're going to keep in that pattern. My friend Shannon that I had the yoga studio with um, taught us from time to time about the inner critic. And we could also probably do a whole nother episode on the inner critic, which we should add to the list. But briefly, what she said was that sometimes with your inner critic, which you could consider your incessant thought train, I think that's a different relationship for each of us. Sometimes you have to be firm, like you said, and, and literally tell that voice to shut up. You know, you can start by being kind and then you can start by being firm. And then sometimes you just have to get a little mean, you know, and sometimes it works. I got to tell you, I do it too. It's like disciplining yourself. Yeah. You know, we, I think about like, if Ella were thinking, you know, my seven year old were thinking all of these thoughts, I would be like, what are you, why are you thinking that you're that, you know, that's, I'm an adult. It's no different. You know, I shouldn't be thinking that either. It's no different. And you would worry about your kid if your kid came to you and told you about all the crazy thoughts in their head, you know? Right. So, so I think, I think that maybe another tool, let's talk about the phrase right now. It's like this. Oh, I think that favorite. could be another tool. Yeah. Right. So good. That's, it's my favorite. It's the best. I always joke with, with some friends and colleagues, like, will you get that tattooed on your forehead? So I can read it every time I see you. I've almost got it tattooed. For me. I'm too scared to get a tattoo post pandemic, but I really I want it. I really want it. So the phrase right now, it's like this, you know, when we're incessant thinking, I think it's safe to say there's some anxiety and worry underneath all of that because we have to have something that we're worried about to start that spiral of thought, right? So when everything's cool and we're having a great day, yeah, we have a lot of thought because we're always going to have a lot of thought, but I think we can all agree that it usually stems from feeling like you're in kind of a rough spot, either mentally, physically, situationally. And one of the things that so many of us have found that's so powerful to 
interrupt that momentum of thought, because that's what you're essentially doing is interrupting that flow, that energy, that momentum of that thought is another mantra of right now. It's like this right now. It's like this. And what that means to the mind is that this situation is temporary right now. It's like this, but it's not going to be like this forever. It's essentially calling BS on your brain's tendency to tell you something is going to be permanent. And so right now it's like this interrupts that train of thought and says, this is temporary right now. It's like this, this might be painful and upsetting. It's not going to be like this forever. And I promise if you say that to yourself, the next time you're in a spiral, you will feel this total let down spaciousness, state of mind in your body. And the signal it gives to the nervous system and brain is like nothing else. It just settles your mind instantly. It settles all that glitter and all that, all that snow, you know, it's so again, I learned this when I was going to teacher training with Lauren and I learned that phrase and I can't even tell you there. I use it daily. Obviously what I find probably really cool is that there isn't really anybody in my life that doesn't know that phrase Mm -hmm. because the moment you tell someone they're like, Oh yeah. And I, they use it and then they, it's a part of there. And so it's this beautiful thing that spreads and helps people just say that one little phrase. And you may be listening and you've never tried mantras before. I thought they were very hooey hooey. Whenever I started yoga and meditation, it is simple words to tell your brain. That's it. Okay. So it's called a mantra and I didn't make the word up and I would probably change it if I could, because it scares people away in my opinion. Um, but it's just a simple phrase that helps your brain understand what's happening in the now. And so that mantra of right now, it's like this, you know, there are times when everything around me is moving, the dog's barking and the kids are running and the stove's running and I'm answering work emails at the same time. Take a breath right now. It's like this, you know, in an hour, it's not going to be like this. And my brain knows that, but in the moment I am so in it and so overwhelmed and it's going to be like this forever. And the kids are never going to graduate and I'm all going to be cooking for the rest of my life right now. It's like this, Mm -hmm. you know, and it really does like totally redirect you. I love that phrase. And you can use it with massive things also, you know, say you're worried you're going to get fired or you're you're contemplating a career change or you're waiting on a test, a major health test. That, that sense of limbo and liminal space is really challenging for us. We don't like to be in the middle way at all. And, and it's painful to be there when we don't have all the answers. And so even in that state, you could say right now, it's like this, I will know soon enough. And either way, I'm not going to be in this middle way forever. Right now, it's like this. There's nothing I can do about it right now. Let me just honor and acknowledge that this is how I'm feeling. This is where I am. And let me redirect my attention. Perfect. So I think it's about time for homework. Do you have any homework for everyone today? And I, me, would say, I feel like the homework is always really good for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, tell me my lesson of the yeah, week. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Um, yeah, I think you know, out of sight, out of mind, you guys, right? Like 
right now it's like this or just happening sounds great. But if you listen to this podcast and move, move about the rest of your life, you might forget those words. And so I would say, get an index card, or if you're into art, you can make some piece of art around it. You could do it on a sticky note, write down right now. It's like this and put it somewhere visible on your desk, write down just happening and put it somewhere else visible on your desk. Or if you're in the car all the time for work, put it on a sticky note, keep it in your car. I, I I'm really good at sticky notes in my car for things I'm working on put it visible, like put yourself in the way of those words so that you're not relying just on your overwhelmed mind to remember, to call upon them when you need them. Oh my gosh. Look, I'm holding up Perfect. sticky notes, guys. Um, I am in my car a, a lot right now and I don't have these in my car and I do get frustrated in the car a lot and I do ruminate in the car a lot. Yes. So it's an excellent suggestion and I'm going to put them in my car right now. So see, I always take something from the homework. I'm writing it down too. Here's my sticky note with my awful lefty handwriting. I think you're <laughs> putting it up. Is beautiful. My husband is a lefty. Is he? <laughs> Power to the lefties. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Lauren. I enjoyed this conversation. And right now it's like this. Right now it's like this. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Mindful Talk. We don't take it lightly that you spent your time listening to our podcast, and we are forever grateful. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Welcome to a more mindful way of living and working.